Hi, my name is Autumn Dixon and this week is May 1st through the 7th. And for this week's reading, we see the Savior sharing a series of parables. And there is there are a lot of similarities between these parables, teaching a lot of the same lessons. And one of the themes that stuck out to me the most is taught very directly, actually, in Luke chapter 12. So this is Luke chapter 12, and it's verse 34. And it says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And a lot of these parables hold this idea of making sure we're treasuring things that have real innate worth, things that are actually worth treasuring. Now, one of the things that I love about studying the teachings of Jesus Christ is that they're actually quite logical when you place them in the context of the plan of salvation, in the context of living forever, right? So obviously all of his teachings are spiritual in nature, but I have found that when I study what he says and I ask the question, why does this truly matter? Why is he teaching this? I can usually dive a lot deeper and find that it is extremely practical when you think about it with the eternities. Now, I want to talk about that in the context of having your heart set on things that have true worth. Now, I want you to imagine just for a second that it is judgment day and you're standing before the Lord. And we know that the Lord judges us according to our hearts. And so all of the actions you performed throughout your life and all the ways that you handled your flaws and mistakes and all of the thoughts that you chose to nurture and the feelings you chose to nurture, how you treated others, right? All of these things, all of these actions and these things that you did in your life have come to affect your heart and make it what it is. It has created the measure of your heart, right? And the Lord sees it perfectly and he knows exactly where your heart is. Now, I also want you to imagine, we don't know exactly what the eternities look like. We have some ideas, and I don't think that this is necessarily true. But I want you to imagine for a second that the Lord gives you exactly what your heart wants. Exactly, right? Like, he lets us choose in this life. I want you to imagine for a second that the Lord gives you exactly what your heart desires. So let's say that you've lived your whole life dreaming of having a house full of puppies that you can take care of and adopt and rescue dogs, right? You get it, right? That's what your heart wanted. And the Lord's like, okay, that's what you want. That's what your heart wants. I'm going to give that to you for eternity. Now there's a little bit of a catch and that's that what you want also comes at the cost that you're willing to pay for it. So I want to look at one of the parables so I can kind of better explain what I'm trying to teach her. Now, in Luke 15, we read about the prodigal son. And essentially, there's a father. He has two sons. And the younger son comes to him and says, I would like my living. I would like essentially my inheritance now. And the father gives it to him, gives him according to the desires of his heart. And the son takes off. And goes and has riotous living. Now we know this is not the end of the story. (laughs) I know it's not the end of the story. But for the sake of teaching this principle, let's say that that was the end, right? He's off living how he wants to. He hasn't run out of money yet. 
The famine hasn't happened yet, and he dies. Some fluke accident, right? He dies. And it's judgment day, and he's standing there, and he's feeling a little nervous because he's heard a little bit about the afterlife, and he's not so sure that he lived his life in a way that he gets to live in this idea of heaven, right? So he's feeling a little nervous. But anyway, he comes and he stands before the Lord, and the Lord judges his heart and asks him, how do you want to live your life for eternity? And now the son is just pumped. He's super excited. Who knew that the afterlife was literally, it was just going, you were going to receive exactly what your heart wanted, right? And so the son is really, really excited. And the Lord allows him to just leave and live his eternity how he wants to live his eternity, how he wants to live forever. He is rewarded what he wanted. And he goes and he finds people who are similar to him. And he's really excited because he's walking along and all of a sudden he notices he has this purse full of money. And he's really pumped about that as well. And he's even more pumped and more surprised when he finds out that he doesn't even need the money. Like everybody kind of just gets what they want and need on the other side. (laughs) Money is kind of obsolete here. So he ditches that really fast. And there's always a party to go to. And he's really excited about that. So he's going to all these parties. But as time moves on, (laughs) these parties start to feel immensely boring, unbearably boring. If you think about just going to the same parties every day for eternity, I can almost guarantee that they become very boring, (laughs) right? Nothing ever changes. Nobody ever changes. It's the same story every single day and this son becomes so sick of it that he wishes living forever would actually just end because it's it sucks (laughs) he doesn't want it anymore what he had craved he received what he craved so badly right he received exactly where his heart was that was his reward that he received for eternity and it was given to him at the cost he was willing to pay. Namely, this son, as he's still going to parties because that was what his reward was for eternity, he starts to wonder where his father is and where his brother is, right? But he was willing to sacrifice his family, to leave his family, to go do what he wanted to do. And that was the cost that he had to pay in order to live how he wanted to live. Now, this idea, receiving according to what our hearts are, this applies to all sorts of desires. Now, this would be a great time to take an inventory of what you desire. And it's very easy to say things like, oh, I want my family more than anything, right? Like my family is the most important thing to me. But when you take an inventory of your day or of your week, what do your activities actually say about what's important to you? Right now, and we all know that we it's mortal life. We have to work, right? <laughs> we have to work to make money to provide for our families. And we all have different responsibilities that we have to, that we have to fulfill because it's mortal life. But where do your thoughts wander to? And when you do have free time, how do you spend it? And 
Has there ever been a moment in your life where you're like, I have arrived. This is everything that I have ever wanted. What did that look like? Like that moment in your life, what did that look like? And then I want you to take that desire, right? That I've made it. This is everything I've ever wanted. And I want you to place it into the context of living forever, right? And when I say the context of living forever on the other side, what the other side's going to be like, what that context is, essentially, uh, money is obsolete. <laughs> There's don't really need money, right? The status that you might have sought so hard to achieve, right? You wanted status. You wanted people to look at you and be like, look at that person. They've got it made. Their life is awesome. They're wonderful people, right? That status that you so desired, it's just not possible, right? In a world where everybody has a resurrected body and everybody has what they want and need. It's really hard to distinguish yourself and place yourself above somebody else when everybody has a perfect body and has what they want and need, right? There's a reason that our Heavenly Father has asked us to place our hearts on others. There's a reason that he taught that you find your life when you lose your life, right? Losing your life in service to others. There is a reason that posterity was meant to be a part of the eternities. There's a reason he wants us to set our hearts on him and to set our hearts on family and on others, right? And that is because that is the only thing, those are the only things that really make life worth living forever. Case in point. So I have walked a majority of my life. <laughs> I've been able to walk. It's a thing. Since I was little. And walking is not exciting. Like, I like going on walks. I actually go on walks a lot. And I enjoy that. But the actual action of walking Placing one foot in front of another, I don't even think about it. It's not, it doesn't bring me joy, really. I mean, when I step back and I'm grateful for it, yes, all of that, right? But it's become robotic. And I can imagine that any action that you perform over and over and over and over and over again forever can likewise become robotic and boring. Watching the same movie over and over and over and over again forever. However, <laughs> even though walking to me is now, I guess, boring, it's like not a thing for me anymore. When my babies took their first steps, <laughs> I remember those moments and I can still feel the joy I felt in those moments. Even though walking was like not a thing for me anymore, I was able to experience this new joy again, watching them take their first steps. It was exciting. It was a new movie to watch, right? There was drama, like they were growing and it was awesome. When we become the kind of people who put our hearts on others, especially posterity, it is suddenly worth living forever. Now, I want to be really extremely clear. There is nothing wrong with wanting to make money and wanting to work out and take some downtime to scroll Instagram or to watch TV, right? There's nothing wrong with these things. And we don't need to feel guilty about 
like, oh, I went to the gym and it took me away from my family, right? You don't need to feel guilty about those things. In fact, I am an extremely grumpy mother if I don't get some downtime, <laughs> right? These things are important. The lesson that I'm actually trying to teach is about what should ultimately fill our hearts so that we are capable of receiving, of experiencing joy, even while living forever. There will come a time on the other side when we all have resurrected bodies, resurrected perfect bodies, right? That don't run on blood anymore. There will come a time when our mortality ends and there's no drama anymore, which that sounds kind of silly. But to give you an example, I remember when I was, I'm the youngest sister in my family and <laughs> all my other sisters were married and I was dating around and trying to figure out what I wanted, right? And I remember my sister calling me. She's like, it's really exciting to watch you date because I'm married and like, I already did that, right? It was exciting to watch me go through. It added a little bit of drama to life, right? Not knowing what's going to happen, that there would still be difficulty. And when we are on the other side, we'll have our memories of this mortal life. But once again, watching the same movie over and over and over again for eternity is going to get immensely boring. But if we can change our hearts to be focused on other people, we will be given the power, the ability to continue to create life, to continue to experience the highs and lows that have to come together, that inevitably come together to make life worth living forever. And that's why it's so essential that we learn to find joy in those kinds of things because that is the only way to experience joy living forever. Now, there's another application to this idea that's slightly different, but I feel like it still applies about where our hearts are. And that is the fact that there was an older brother to the prodigal son. And we don't know exactly where his heart was. We can make some guesses, but we don't know exactly where his heart was. Perhaps he liked the idea of being the favored son, right? He liked the idea that he was the good son and the other one was a screw up, right? It's very easy to see why that needs to change. <laughs> However, there's another, I guess, status of his heart that I think a lot more of us may actually relate to. And that is the fact that maybe he was afraid that he just didn't matter as much as his brother, even though he had put in so much work for so long and his brother had just gone and done whatever he wanted and he had stayed and taken care of his family and did what he was supposed to do and no one had celebrated him, right? Did he really matter as much to his father as his brother did? Now, there's nothing wrong with seeking validation either. <laughs> there's a reason that our Heavenly Father tells us how much he loves us all the time. But when we let that comparison creep in, and we nurture that comparison and we hold on to it, it will never, we will never be able to receive enough validation to take care of that. We will never be able to find happiness in that. We have to learn to get over that. If this father had lost both of his sons, if they had both taken off with money and only the younger son figured it out and came back, the father would have still thrown a celebration, so happy that his son had come back. 
but that father still would have ached over that other son who would have missed him. He sees us. We don't have to be scared that he doesn't see us. We don't have to be scared that we're not important, that we're not loved. We don't have to worry about being celebrated because of how much Heavenly Father loves us. You will feel it. It will be so apparent to you. And so if this son had been able to, the older son, if he had been able to recognize how much his father loved him, he would have been able to let go of those fears and he would have been able to go join the party and be happy, right? He would have been able to experience more happiness that was available to him. If he had been able to let go enough that he could set his heart on his brother and celebrating his brother, he would have been able to experience just as much joy as his brother, even though he wasn't the one being celebrated. Now, when you really think about this concept, (laughs) there's so much joy to be had in mortality. And there's a lot of joy that can be experienced in eternity, right? I'm not saying that we won't want to go do really fun things in eternity. There's a lot of joy to be had. However, if we can learn to be the kind of people, if we can nurture our hearts in the right direction to love others, it's impossible to measure the amount of joy that you can experience because you will feel their joys and their happiness and their triumphs along with your own, right? All of the battles that they overcome, you will feel that too because of how you love them. There's so much more joy to be had when we love other people. Set your heart on being healthy enough to fulfill your life mission. Set your heart on relieving suffering, which often requires money. (laughs) It does. Set your heart on things that will be valuable, valuable, and that will not fade in the context of living forever. Place your heart on things that have innate worth in the context of eternity. Enjoy all of it, right? Enjoy all of the wonderful things that Heavenly Father's given us. But place your heart consciously, on purpose, place your heart on others. I'm grateful for my Savior. I'm grateful that He offers me a life that is worth living for eternity. I'm grateful that He loves me enough that He wants me to experience the same happiness that he was worthy of experiencing. I'm grateful that he worked so hard so that he could pay the way so that I could experience that kind of life. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.